0: welcome
1: everybody all right today we're talking about how trauma affects your life and this is a really important topic because quite frankly almost everyone if not everyone in this world experiences some type of trauma and trauma is also very subjective because some people are more hypersensitive than other people therefore they take in trauma and it has a deeper affect on them than it does uh, some other people. However, trauma is trauma, trauma is pain, and trauma is the one thing from the pain perspective that every human being on the planet can identify with. That is a common language that we all understand that pain and suffering come with life and we all have it. You know, trauma is a person's emotional response to a distressing experience. But, you know, there's there's very few people who can go through life without encountering some kind of trauma. But unlike ordinary things that happen in our life, traumatic events tend to be sudden and unpredictable. And they involve a, a serious threat like bodily injury or death or, or a, fe- a a feeling beyond a person's control. You know, more important than that, the events are traumatic to the degree that they undermine a person's sense of safety in the world. And they create an experience and a sense that catastrophe could strike at any time. And fear is our greatest enemy because when fear enters, faith leaves. When faith enters, fear leaves. Traumatic events create fear in our life that we're always looking for throughout our life thematically. And so we're always looking to things that relate to unexpected trauma. And that could be an argument you're having with your spouse House. It could be an experience that you had as a child that you're now having it as an adult. These things make us come from that trauma, and actually, that inner child that's been injured, that person that was injured at that point of life, is the one that's going to respond to the trauma that correlates to the trauma, whatever event that may be. And maybe walking through Walmart after you've been in a war, you know. But the bottom line is is you're going to go back to that maturity level, that reactionary period, and that is where you're going to come from with trauma. Unfortunately, we all have that inside of us. You know, when vents are traumatic, they they really undermine our sense of safety. Um, they 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 come from things like uh, parental uh, loss and childhood auto accidents, physical violence, a lack of concern for our safety as children, sexual assault, military combat experiences, a divorce, a bad marriage, unexpected loss of a loved one, you know, uh, uh, abuse, neglect, all of those things commonly are traumatic events that people experience now acute trauma is the first 30 days and it reflects intense distress in the immediate aftermath of a one-time event and the reaction is of short duration however if it goes beyond 30 days and the reaction is still in place and you haven't sought help to help you through that post that, that that acute stress period it manifests itself and grows roots into other issues in your life which is called post-traumatic stress disorder. And so common examples of an an acute trauma would be like a car crash, or a physical or sexual uh, molestation or, or rape, or the sudden death of a loved one. You know, chronic trauma can arise from harmful events that are repeated and prolonged, like abuse. If you're with an abusive spouse, that trauma can just continue and roll and roll and roll and roll through your life because you continually get that bullying that neglect that abuse that emotional physical sexual uh uh way that they come at us and the, the domestic violence may be a part of it and if that is the chronic part of that complex trauma arises because complex trauma means there's multiple traumatic events in my life. And now I'm always responding to almost anything in my life on any given day, in any given moment. Instead, I'm reacting to it rather than responding. I am emotionally reacting, making decisions in my emotional reaction, saying things in my emotional reaction, doing things in my emotional reaction that are to preserve my own safety. And so therefore, we become defensive, we become at-will people, meaning that our life is at risk at all times. So when we live in trauma, we are living within fight or flight at any given moment because there are things that remind us of our trauma throughout our day, all day long, every day. And if you really understand the basics of the human spirit, all of us have pain in our life. And pain dictates us to do stupid reactionary things in our life. When we come from our pain, doing stupid things like drugs and alcohol and affairs and whatever stupid decisions we may make, skipping classes, all that kind of crap comes from pain. And you have to understand that if we don't resonate, if we're very transactional people, analytical people who don't identify with the human spirit, which the human spirit encompasses pain, we forget what it is to be human. Because I can go on vacation to a certain place. That's great. I can be a vacationer. I saw this. I saw that. I saw the Eiffel Tower. I did this. I did that. But that is not really the experience we need in our life. It's the meaning of going to those places that's more important. And that is where we meet the road and meaning is feelings. And if people don't honor feelings and listen to feelings, and become good listeners traumatic events bottle up in your life forever if you want to get out of trauma you have to listen learn how to listen to pain and feelings you have to stop identifying with words all the time and analytical people can't stand that because they hide behind words they hang on to words like anything that's been said to them but a lot of people don't understand that words are often red flags based off of feelings and it's the feelings that have to be identified. So when we deal with trauma, we have to have people that identify with feelings to help us heal. If you're dealing with an analytical person in your life that your best friend or somebody you're close to or somebody you're married to, they are not going to help you process because they're always trying to solve it. And that is stupidity. Unfortunately, they don't have the tools to deal with it. And I'm not saying they're stupid. It's, I'm saying it's dumb to go to people that don't have the tools. You need to go to people that have tools to understand how to validate feelings. You know, secondary or uh, uh, victimization trauma, vicarious trauma, which means it arises from exposure to other people's suffering. So if you watch your 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 father choking your mother or people of but you know siblings trying to hurt each other or you're watching somebody get raped or you watch somebody get mugged or you watch somebody get killed That is vicarious trauma, and that is actually exposure, and it can strike those in professions that are caught on to respond to injury, mayhem, notably physicians, first responders, and law enforcement. That's why mental health and peer support is such an important ingredient of first responders because they're walking into mayhem. They're walking into horrible things that they did not invent, they didn't sign up for, they didn't volunteer for, but they did, through their vocation, decide that that they would have the courage to walk into those events and try to be a sense of sanity. You know, it's, it's really important that over time, those people are at risk they have what's called compassion fatigue or gallows humor, where they've seen it so many times, they just avoid investing emotionally in other people and attempt to protect themselves from experiencing distress. But that kills their ability to understand what pain is within themselves. And they begin to harden up and then they go home and that affects their home life, their family, their relationships, because now they become very transactional or overpowering, or authoritarian, to prevent further uh, uh, exposure to other events. You know, there's also uh, 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 you know adverse childhood influences, and those cover a wide range of difficult situations that children who have no power either directly face or witness while growing up, watching their parents fight watching their siblings be yelled at, watching themselves be yelled at, watching themselves have things taken away randomly because a parent's in a stupid bad mood and is acting like a child. You know, there's so many violations that a child goes through in their life, that emotional injury affects their self-esteem and it moves on into adulthood. You know, the loss of a parent, the neglect, the emotional, the physical, the sexual abuse, and the divorces are among the most common types of adverse childhood experiences. And we have to be so aware of how we affect children because they will triangulate. Kids that have two crazy parents that create enormous trauma are going to try to create Events in their life that are adverse, so they can get your attention, so you'll stop hurting each other and you'll target them. Okay, they're the problem now. They're doing dumb things. Now we can team together. That's what they want. They want you to get along and stop being childish and egotistical and trying to protect yourself from being hurt and actually empathize with each other's pain for the first time in your life step down into your spirit and understand that you're not going to connect in your human life because your human life has made so many stupid choices that you really cannot identify or explain them away. It's your pain that is what's in common. If we understand where our pain is coming from and what it's causing us to do, we have a thing called empathy and compassion. God forbid we live in that world You know, disturbing events activate your amygdala, and that's a structure in the brain responsible for detecting threats, and it's there to protect your safety. But it responds by sending out an alarm to multiple body systems to prepare for defense. And so your sympathetic nervous system jumps into action. It stimulates the release of adrenaline and and no adrenaline and stress hormones that prepare the body for fight or flight and freeze or freeze response. And so uh, short-term fear, anxiety, shock and anger, aggression. And I'm talking about aggression, not uh, assertive aggression are all normal responses to trauma. So if you're walking around like many people do with people that have resentment and anger, which most people do in marriage and they damage their marriage to the complete because they develop so many battlefields of passive aggressive places like the bedroom and stonewalling and not talking and acting like children, arguing like children, never listening. We go through all those wonderful things in our life simply because we do not want to face the responsibility for what we have perceived, what someone has perceived us to be responsible for. We don't want to take accountability for that. We only want to take accountability for what we believe we're responsible for. Unfortunately, we are judged for what we are perceived to be accountable for, and we also need to be accountable for that thing but that takes growth and maturity unfortunately many people don't have that especially in this day and age accountability is not in the cards what is in the cards these days is to pacify every human person's impulse and justify it or condemn it and it's unfortunate it's not human but it's easy to do because we're all human and we do stupid things and it's really easy to find your flaws you know disturbing events are 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 suffering For a long-term trauma may develop emotional disturbances like extreme anxiety, like you're always anticipating and catastrophizing that something is going to happen. There's anger, there's sadness, there's survivor's guilt, there's disassociation with the inability to feel pleasure, or, you know, there's PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and the the amygdala becomes hyperactive. Because if you're going to live in anger and rage and, and, and resentment, Anybody receiving it, including yourself who's delivering it, are always in fight or flight. So if you wanna walk around as a brainstem and not have the prefrontal cortex, You're not going to be the one that invents the great way to go into outer space or do incredible things in this life. You are going to be a mediocre human being who is a brainstem, who's incapable of reaching what you're actually capable of in this life to help other people. You're here to hurt other people because you choose to live in anger and resentment, which means it's always a call to action. And anybody receiving it knows you're going to take action and do something horrible with it. You know positive psychological changes after trauma are also possible when people actually acknowledge their difficulties they see themselves as survivors they see themselves as "I'm going to rise above it, I am going to be resilient rather than victims of unfortunate experiences and these can include building resilience, the development of of effective coping skills, the development of a sense of self efficacy meaning I can hold my own and some people may undergo. You know, a little bit of growth, you know, foregoing stronger relationships. Sometimes that's what they do. Or they redefine their relationship with a new meaning or a spiritual purpose because they actually discovered the value of their life based on the fact that they may have lost their life. There's also a a deeper appreciation. And it may sound contradictory, but post-traumatic growth can exist right alongside PTSD, and, and it, you know, if it's left unaddressed, though, they can become the relationships get havoc wreaked on them, and personal and professional lives can get destroyed because that trauma, if it's never resolved, is always got triggers. And that means your little inner child's going to be popping out left and right, running the show, and you're always going to have to explain why it happened. So if you don't resolve trauma, you're going to have inner child problems because that younger part of you is going to blow up your life. And it's also going to do things called self-defeat, you know, and it's also going to make you feel like you are a, a imposter in your life because you have this anger and resentment and horrible trauma underneath you. You know, there's many myths about trauma that, that impede understanding and care. For example, there's a popular assumption that all childhood uh childhoods are traumatic which causes people to mistake ordinary hardship or distress for genuine trauma while this view of trauma may seem initially validating of a difficult experience which which can quickly lead individuals to question their own experiences growing up and the adequacy of their caretakers another common misconception about trauma is that it will destroy your life forever some people experience trauma assume the identity of a victim and they whine their whole life which sucks the soul out of anybody that's in your company if you are a victim you are a whiner you are the sucker of souls of every human being around you it's sad but many people who think of themselves as victims don't think they think of themselves as a victim but they communicate sure as hell all the time as a victim and it's sad And it is a form of narcissism by the way, because they can't see it for themselves. They could never admit it to themselves. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit about treatment. So come back.
2: Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment.
0: Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone, Skype or in person in the Seattle area.
2: Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband John in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who are widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment.
0: Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're we're talking about how trauma affects your life. First of all, we're going to talk about self-worth, and then we'll move on into the types of abuse, and then we're going to talk about treatment. But trauma and low self-worth are really correlated, especially with regard to bad experiences, including abuse Abusive trauma experiences that can disrupt how a person sees themselves and their ability to regulate their emotions. You know, people that gaslight tell you how crazy you are and that they're not responsible for anything. You're responsible. You're the crazy one. You created this problem. You did this. You did that. They never say, I. They can't say, I. It's almost impossible for them to actually say, I did this thing. I'm responsible for this thing, and I'm also responsible for helping you through what I created. God forbid somebody do that, but they don't. Most people don't because they don't have the character to do that. So we walk around with people being abused and neglected and treated like crap and having so low self-esteem in this life and experiencing trauma over and over and over again, especially if they're married to a narcissist. You know, when a border, the, 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 God forbid, a borderline personality or even an antisocial personality, man, those dudes, they will take you down. So, also, uh, you know, the people that are uh, that have uh, social uh, the, the, the kind of uh, social uh, uh, anti social anti uh, personalities that they do not like from a social perspective uh, how people are. They don't like people, so they treat them terribly. You know, when a person's sense of safety, predictability, safety, by the way, is the most basic need of a human being. Predictability, the belonging are are damaged, they develop survival skills that help them to cope with unpredictable and dangerous environments. So if you're gonna be a dangerous person who's only always has to be right, is always destructive, is always trying to do what you think is the correct thing because you're the one that holds the torch for the world. You know, if you're going to be that kind of person, you're going to be unsafe, unpredictable, and everything is within your decisions. Unfortunately, if you're going to live like that, whoever's around you, whoever's susceptible to you, your children, your wife, your workers, people that work for you or with you or whatever, they're all subject to being traumatized by your decisions. You know, yet the same coping mechanisms may help a person adapt to adverse situations in one situation, become maladaptive. So if a person stonewalls because they're around somebody that always has to be right, so they just shut up, they don't say anything, they shut up, don't say anything, always, no matter how heinous, how stupid the person is, they don't say anything. What that means is that person is going to have that, that, that stone wall is eventually going to corrode and they're going to blow and they're going to look like the crazy one. And that only reinforces what the other person wants. You know, when, when a person's sense of safety is at stake, fight or flight is the only place the brain can move from. So adults raised in neglectful or narcissistic environments are typically not taught their own value and worth. Instead, many were conditioned to seek out external validation from abusive caretakers who reinforce the child's sense of dependency on them rather than fostering their own independence, which is what a parent's role. Unfortunately, 50% of the people in this world breed instead of be parents. They'd rather screw than be a parent. It's unfortunate, but that's what they do. They have sex, and then they go, oh, well, I got to take care of this kid. Oh, yeah, I love him. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a great parent. I've been there one for one game in the year. I was there in that one moment. Yes, those are breeding stock. Unfortunately, we have lots of them, and they create lots of trauma in children's lives because the child has to determine their own value in this life because their parent is so self-centered and uncaring. And so trauma, as we have lived through the latchkey period of time between the 70s and 80s, now that we have parents that grew up in that time period and didn't know how to parent because both of their parents were working and screwing and not caring and having divorces and uh, getting married and making you deal with step parents and all kinds of abuse and neglect and stupidity, now that we are parents... Coming from that period and grandparents coming from that period, we're not teaching parenting. And unfortunately, our schools don't teach parenting. And so, yes, abuse goes on and on and on. It's magnifying. It's getting worse because people don't know how to be accountable for their own stupidity. You know, fast forward to your adult life, that person that is ill-equipped for adulting Because they were treated like crap and were not given a childhood. They had to make adult decisions at 10 years old or whatever. They're going to go into life with the narcissistic tendency to always have to be right. Because they had to be right. Because they had no net. And that is your own creation. And lovely. But will people take accountability for that? No. But our culture is full of this crap. And it creates trauma. And a constant need for validation and approval is the struggle that that young child will have. And they're always wanting to be the best. They're always wanting to be validated. They're always seeking attention. They're always seeking for somebody to give them some kind of validation because their parents never gave it to them, you know. it's it's so sad you know because they're trying to live up to someone else's standards rather realizing that they've got to stand in their own standards create their own standards and create their own self-esteem their own value and go into life and be sure of that you know there's also these borderline people they often are cited as developing in a young childhood due to chronic trauma experienced in childhood especially emotional abuse and invalidation because neglect And emotional abusive conditions in a person's formative years result in self-defeating attitudes and beliefs, as well as difficulty regarding their emotions. And it creates challenges in their self-worth and their self-compassion. And so they go through life with this victim mentality, and they're always aligning with people that agree with them. And then if that person disagrees with them on one little thing, guess what? They flip and they go to somebody else that agrees to them. And so they play people against each other. They create lots of chaos in life, and they love to be sexual because they want to get your loyalty by having sex with you. You know, some may engage in unpredictable and dangerous or self sabotaging behaviors like reckless driving, behavioral compulsions, you know, uh, eating, uh, exercising, gaming, whatever, as of numbing their emotional pain and deep fears of rejection and abandonment. Also, you know, loneliness in self-worth. You know, marriage can be the loneliest place on earth and that in itself is traumatic because if the person pulls intimacy out of the picture, guess what, you're stuck with this idiot Having to deal with their crap because they've chose to have a resentment battleground of sex to get you back for what they're angry for because they don't have the courage to actually actually communicate in a real way, in an empathetic way, what they're feeling and what they're thinking. No, they have to blame you for everything. So we find that in our life you know and and people that are unable to experience the feelings of joy and peace these feelings may prevent them from getting close to others and it can reinforce the feelings of loneliness because they're unhappy and so they're not going to attract happy they're going to attract pain and suffering and depression and anxiety because they're lonely when we live a lonely life We live with a lot of suffering and we surround ourselves with a lot of suffering because we don't contribute to the joy in life, which is looking at everything you have and understanding a lot of it that you have you used to dream of having. And that is the thing that we have to focus on. If a person experienced parental abuse or neglect in their formative years, their caretaker's refusal or inability to provide a secure base can affect their ability and desire to create healthy bonds with other people. And this may negatively impact their safety, their feeling wanted, their accepted for who they are. And so that self-worth factor is a very, very important thing. You know, uh, uh, sometimes it affects our, our ability to have our... Physical and emotional reactions be healthy. Sometimes they're easily startled, uh, on the guard for danger. Self-destructive behavior like drinking or driving, uh, trouble sleeping, trouble concentrating, inability with anger out or irritability with anger outbursts, overwhelming guilt or shame. You know, this is something that people experience when they've been traumatized. It is a sign that the person not only is depressed and anxious, but they are experiencing trauma because that is the reaction that they're having, especially the startle effect. You know, it's really important to get help treatment is such an important part of stress and trauma it's a severe mental health condition that affects millions of people and it can affect your marriages it can affect your ability to parent it can affect your job it can affect your friendships your family your extended family it sucks the joy out of your life if you live in your trauma you need to create trauma as an event Not something that you experience your whole life. Yes, I had this bad thing happen to me, but I live in faith that that's not going to be my life, that I actually learned from that experience. I actually understand that experience happened and I don't understand maybe why it happened, but I'm going to let that go because I have a life to live and I need to be resilient. You know, the, the you know the things like veterans, they face a higher risk of developing PC, PTSD compared to civilians. You know, those have been deployed to war zones are even greater risk of PTSD. So, you know, combat-related trauma intensifies the likelihood of developing the mental condition. Now, here's what's interesting. Equestrian therapy is a really powerful therapy because what it does, and many people that come back from war... What they do is they have a young horse who's not broken, and that veteran is asked to develop a relationship with that horse. The horse is not volunteering, and horses read human sensitivities very well. They understand how dangerous our emotions are, and people with PTSD are highly volatile people that horses do not wanna have a relationship with. So what that person has to do is they have to suppress their trauma manage their trauma, put it in a box and understand that that is not going to help me develop a relationship with this horse. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to work through my trauma. What that means is I'm going to work through my trauma with developing a relationship with this horse and I'm going to focus on the horse because the horse doesn't understand what I've been through and I'm going to create a safe place for that horse. By creating a safe place for the horse with me, I'm creating a safe place for myself. And that in itself is a wonderful way to treat trauma. The other treatment of trauma that is very acutely effective, especially in the acute phase, the first 30 days of trauma, is is, uh, EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It is a beautiful treatment because what it does is it actually is neurological. It's not as much psychological. So what it does is it makes eye movement. And what happens is like a train, you move from the beginning of the train all the way to the end of the train. So we start before the event happened, and then we start working our way through the event. So every minute or so, we're going to go back to eye movement. So tell me me what experience here you had here. Okay, now we need to stop, do eye movement. Then we talk another minute, stop, do eye movement, then do it again, and stop, do eye movement. Now what that means is your brain thinks it's in the REM stage of sleep. It's dreaming, and what dreaming that state is, is it's processing emotional content. And what is really important is you're guiding the content this time rather than dreaming. So dreaming is like a free flow, but EMDR is like a methodical move through trauma. And and so dreams understand trauma because they're about emotions, collecting emotional experiences, creating emotional experiences so you will elicit emotions that you've been repressing in your dreams but emdr does that and moves the furniture from the the uh olympic system in your brain down into your memory glands which are in the back of your brain on the right and left side in the very back and those places drop a window between events so yes i may have had a horrible experience but i remember the experience but i'm not feeling the experience because i'm just witnessing it that is what emdr does it doesn't take away the memory It takes away the the emotional connection, the meaning of the memory, and that is really important to do. So EMDR moves you through those events, and by doing the eye movement, the brain actually moves the furniture in your brain to the right place from the limbic system, which is on top of your brainstem, which actually creates fight or flight, and it moves it out of that reactive stage into just another memory. You know, cognitive behavioral therapy is another treatment, and it's evidence-based. And so what it does, it it combines elements of cognitive, which is thought-based, and behavior-based therapy with trauma-focused interventions to address the unique needs of somebody surviving. So the main goal of trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy is to address trauma-related symptoms. It aims to reduce and manage the distressing symptoms associated with trauma such as intense, intrusive thoughts, nightmares, flashbacks, emotional numbing. Then it promotes emotional regulation. That means you're managing your emotions. So the therapy helps individuals learn effective strategies to cope with overwhelming emotions and regain a sense of emotional control. So rather than anticipating, I'm actually going to form a plan early as to what I would do if this were to happen again. And so instead of living as if I'm going to respond to some horrible thing that's going to happen, I'm going to make a decision now that if that happens, this is what I'll do. If this happens, this is what I'll do. Now there's no anticipation. Now we don't have to live in anxiety. This is the wonderful thing about cognitive approaches. It also, uh, clients are taught healthy coping skills to manage stress while in anxiety, while in in enhancing their experience of safety and empowerment. So safety and empowerment are the goal. So we need to develop a plan that includes safety and empowerment of ourselves when traumatic roots are exposed And we begin to experience trauma. Now we understand, okay, I'm coming from this place. I need to feel safe. So maybe I need to go take a walk. Maybe I need to grab onto an object that makes me feel safe. Maybe I need to do something here that will make me feel safer and empowered that I'm in charge. The more you do that, the more you overcome trauma. It also works to challenge and reframe your negative beliefs and your thoughts related to the traumatic event. So what it means is you're not being in the reactionary phase anymore. Now you're being in the responsive phase. So it's promoting more adaptive and constructing thinking patterns. I am not in the middle of war. I'm standing in the middle of Walmart. It may not be the safest place in the world because it's not in a great city. And there's a lot of people here I don't know, but... I'm under the idea that I'm not at war, and that's not the context here. So you know, something horrible happening is a one-off, and I don't need to live for the one-off. I need for, to live to, that I need to be just like what I do on the on the road. Defensive driving. That's how we operate when we're walking in places that we don't know, the stadium or whatever. We need to operate like defensive driving. Read the room. Read the people around us that doesn't guarantee your safety, but what it does is it hedges your bets. And so that is what a, a cognitive approach is about. It provides a safe space to process feelings of grief and loss associated with traumatic experiences. What did this do to my life? Can I bury it? Can I let me myself know that that's over? Can I understand that I always need to move through those. I may experience guilt and shame for all the crap I've done, but now I can go into the phase of life that I'm in and actually enjoy that rather than living in what I used to be. You know, we change. We evolve. We have epiphanies. We have moments of clarity, and those moments of clarity offer the experience and the opportunity to change, but nobody ever changes until they fully understand what they have done and what the impact is to what they have done and have empathy for all the people that they have destroyed with their own behaviors and that is the beginning of healing accountability and so many people will never get there you'll have the same argument over and over and over and over in your life simply because there's no accountability and if people don't understand that they do deep down inside but their inner child just wants to deflect, 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 because they don't want to face accountability. They don't want to face the true human experience that they created, the heinous crime that they did, the heinous thing that they did. They can't admit it, but it's done through pain. And you, if you understand that these things are done through pain and done through past experiences of how to deal with pain, now we begin to understand how to forgive. You see, people will hit on the horrible thing you've done over and over and over and over again. But forgiveness comes from the idea of, did I intend to do what this did to this person? Most of the time, the intention was not to hurt. Now, yes, there's criminals. Yes, they have bad intentions. Many people have bad intentions. They get angry and they do angry things. That's a bad intention. However, that's why you don't discipline your children out of anger. Don't ever do that. You only discipline to teach. If you want to create traumatic events, discipline out of anger and see what happens. You know, but the bottom line is you need to understand your intentions at all times. And if you want to live a life, a good life where you do the right thing instead of what's easy, you evaluate, is this the right thing? Does What is my intention here? You know, if you're true to yourself, you'll come to an understanding that you can actually manage and control it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back.
2: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856.
2: Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire? regardless of your own blocks or limitations imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life on this show jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want you too can be steps from getting the abundance love support and fulfillment your heart desires get unstuck move forward with your life with jason Hopkins. tuesdays at 9 a.m on the voice america empowerment channel
1: welcome back everybody everybody we're talking about how trauma affects your life you need to remember this one thing it's so important if you're entering treatment into trauma is that failure is a part of the process we will fail we will be triggered we will have a fight-or-flight response periodically as we move through treatment what's an understanding is the minute you quit is the minute things stop so quitting is much more of a definitive decision than failure. Failure you can be afraid of, many people are, but it's supposed to be there for you to learn. It's not there for you to quit. However, some people have no willpower. They don't understand what a will is. They don't have resiliency. They don't have a good attitude because that's their greatest handicap. They think about catastrophization and what they're supposed to do and what the perfect thing to do is. And they live in that strategy, but that strategy is a coping skill to hide them from life. And so the bottom line is failure is a part of the process and you have to understand that going into it. The other problem is narrative developments. People will attach themselves to a narrative. I'm just traumatized. I'm just this person. And every time they experience the trauma in any way, they, they identify, oh, there it is. That reinforces my narrative. I'm just traumatic. I've just been traumatized. I'm just a victim. I'm just this. I'm just that. And they, they collect this narrative, which is called bias research, which is what our media does all day long, every day, teaching us how to create a narrative. And so what we do is we buy the narrative and then we become the narrative. And it's unfortunate because it's just a narrative that you've told yourself and it doesn't include 99% of the decisions you make in your life. It includes all the ones that are one-offs, and that's how you characterize yourself and others. Also, safety skills is an important part of therapy. It helps clients develop safety plans and strategies to manage their triggers. But you have to be aware of your triggers. That means you have to go from the subconscious to the conscious mind and understand that I've got to consciously understand that this kind of stuff triggers me. You know, you also want to specialize, you want to look for somebody that specializes in treatment. You know, the therapists that have specialized training experience in PTSD and trauma-related disorders, those therapists are well-versed in evidence-based interventions and understand the complexity of trauma recovery because you have to continuously study trauma recovery you can't just come from the 1970s and still practice that crap in 2023 but some people try to pull that crap but it doesn't work and so you know it's really important that they are compassionate they're empathetic and they're learned they're learned on the newer techniques because trauma related therapy is is a current therapy that is evolving day by day week by week year by year and so you want to seek therapists who adopt Trauma informed approach in their practice. And that ensures that the therapist recognizes the potential impact on the person's life, provides care that is sensitive to their needs. And, you know, it's important that it's collaborative between you and the therapist. If you don't like the therapist, don't go see them, even if they're an expert. If you can't develop a relationship with that person, don't see them because you won't heal, because their personality is getting in the way of you actually healing, especially if they trigger your trauma. You know, and, and not all therapists are, are, are even keeled and, and steady minded. There's a lot of therapists that get in the field because they have more problems than everybody else. And they just want to solve everybody else's problems rather than deal with their own. And so, yes, that's out there. That's why when you seek somebody, you need to have somebody you have a relationship with and has integrity with you. So a trauma informed approach is a way of understanding and responding to individuals who've experienced trauma in a manner that is sensitive. It's compassionate. It's client focused. It's focused on you, not their personal crap, not their personal story. And it's supportive. And that acknowledges the widespread impact of trauma on mental health. And it recognizes that it can affect all kinds of people every day walking through the grocery store. There's people that are traumatized all over the place. There are people driving that are traumatized all over the space. They may look great, they may have their BMW, they may have all this money, they may have this beautiful home, but that doesn't mean they didn't have trauma in their life. And we have to understand that we all can identify from that perspective. You know, safety is is huge. If you wanna heal, ensuring physical and emotional safety is a top priority when individuals have experienced trauma. So if you're going to have therapy, you need to feel safe and supported in that environment. And fo- they have to foster trust and healing in you. And so if they're not doing that, you're not going to heal. If safety is not in the cards and you don't feel like you can trust that person, you don't feel that they have the expertise that you need, you're not going to get what you want from that person. Also, trustworthiness and transparency, being able to reliable, Reliably and transparently be in all transactions with that person, where trust and legitimate concern and understanding and connection with each other, the identity of pain is there. That is an ingredient you want to look for. Also, somebody that that uh, that empowers choice and and and, and empowerment, allowing. The individual in therapy to have a sense of control and autonomy in their treatment, saying, hey, you know, I'm not ready for that or I'm ready for this instead of that. I would rather handle this. I think this should be a priority. You should be the driver of the therapy as far as the priorities. The therapist should be the one bringing the techniques to get you there and the ability and the spirit and the curing and the the safety to get you there strategically. There also has to be a mutuality between you. And that's a collaboration between the provider and the client. It recognizes the client is an active participant in the healing journey and promotes a sense of mutuality. That means we're both contributing to this process. We are both evolving in the process because if you the client are not vested there's nothing that's going to get done that therapist can throw techniques at you all day long they can try they can try to get you out of your shell they can try to get the wall down but if you keep putting that wall up you're not going to get better you have to submit yourself to the process that's why it's confidential that's why it's important to understand that it stays in the room that is important so you can release all this crap that you've been holding inside and actually let it come out in a space that will have compassion for you, will understand you, will allow you to be objective and view all the crap you've done in your life and all the things that have happened to your life and actually sort it out from a third-party perspective. You also have to understand the impact things have on you, and that's a part of the therapeutic product, uh, process. And and that impact of trauma in, in people's lives or behaviors or coping mechanisms you have to know how it's affecting you so if you're irritable and angry all the time if you've got walls up where people can't get close to you, if your behaviors are standoffish but you want to have relationships but you can't you need to understand that that's where trauma is affecting you your coping me- mechanisms if it's drinking or alcohol drugs whatever you know whatever it, it, it can be you know staying in your house. Social phobias, you know, I don't like people. Whatever the the, the coping skill is that you've dropped out there, that is going to be a way that you're dealing with your trauma. And that is also a way that you are not going to get what you want. If you want to have a life of meaning, you have to have relationships with people in this life, with things in this life, with animals in this life. We with the earth. In this life, if you don't have relationships, you don't have a life, you are just existing, a transaction, a computer, an artificial intelligence operating and eating and crapping and doing all the things that human beings do, but you're not living. And that's unfortunate. That's our spirit. Feelings. And we need to heal our feelings. We need to heal our pain. We need to grab onto these events that have happened and put them in their place, put them in their box, remember what they happened, remember what the cues were that led up to it, but we don't have to live in it. You know, when dealing with PTSD, you have to choose the right person to help you. That is critical. You you might have to go from one to five to ten people. But eventually, hopefully, you'll land on somebody who doesn't have more crap than you do and actually will help you through the process. And is it worth the investment? Heck yes. Heck yes, it is. But you need to make that call for yourself. You know, being verbally and emotionally abused is ways that you're going to be traumatized. And you gotta understand that emotional abuse can take place in any relationship. A parent making harmful comments, you'll never do that. You're so stupid, I can't believe you did that. You're so, you're dumb, you're so mean, you're such a bully. You know, if you're gonna label your kid as a parent, you're just labeling crap on your kid that you think about yourself because that's exactly what you're being. And so people as parents, they, they project on their kids. They project all the things they hate about their self on their kids, on their spouse, on their friends, on people around them because they were traumatized. You got to heal that crap if you want to have a good life, if you want to feel whole, if you want to feel like your spirit and your life and your adult life and your integrity are on the line every minute of every day. And now every choice I make is an investment in my life. To do what is right. If you want to go to heaven, if you believe in God, which most people don't these days, but if you did believe in God, here's the two ways to get there. You do these two things and you're going to have a good journey. Do what's right, not what's easy. Do what's right, and the next thing is is to have compassion for pain. If You can do all kinds of millionaire things, billionaire things. You can do all kinds of wonderful things for the human race, but if you can't do those two things every day, all day long, do what's right, have compassion for pain, your life isn't headed in the right direction. And eventually, you got to right the ship. And a lot of us don't. A lot of us would rather do what's easy. And you can do that all day long. But the accountability is when you die, nobody cares. And so if you don't create integrity, you will end up alone in this life. And that's why trauma affects your life because it gets involved in your integrity. It involves all of your decisions and you need to clear that crap out so that you can do what's right and have compassion for pain. So use your trauma, use your pain to help other people by saying, I've been there, I understand. This is what I did. I did this for 20 years. I can understand what you're feeling. I know what these phases look like and I can help you with that. That's called a testimony that from a Christian perspective is what we all pray to be able to do, because that's really what God wants us to do with pain is to create testimony. So we have experiences and in learning and we have blessings. Yes, we have both. But the experiences and the learning is meant to be a testimony. If you do nothing with your pain in this life, you are not living a life of meaning. You know, there's all kinds of other abuse. Being neglected creates all these narcissistic monsters that we have walking around through our society, you know, and even running our society. Unfortunately, we have tons of them in Washington, D.C. that just think they are gods on the earth and love to just tell all of us how stupid we are and how important they are. You know, examples of not meeting your physical needs can include not feeding you when you are hungry. Well, guess what our government does? It's starving us all to death. It's treating us like crap. It's running interest rates to the roof. And we are being abused. This is society by these narcissistic assholes in Washington who think they know everything. And it's sad, but that's the state of our existence today. You know, emotional neglect is when your caregiver, your government, doesn't support your basic emotional needs. They don't care about your freedom, your free will, your choices, your spirituality, You know, that is a narcissistic adult. That is a narcissistic boss, narcissistic company, narcissistic government. They take all of your freedom away and tell you what you're supposed to do. They think they're setting healthy boundaries for you. But what they're doing is they're manipulating and grooming you to be what they want you to be, not what you were originally created to be. You know, that is unfortunately what democracy was about, is actually get back to the human being that you are, have an opinion, have an ability to speak, but our world doesn't operate that way anymore. It it hasn't in many pockets, but unfortunately, in this life, we suffer. So... That's our show. I wanna thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. You wanna remember, how many times have you taken a bullet from the person you are to take a bullet for? And what doesn't kill you still requires a copay. Also, life is like frantically looking for your lost phone when it's still in your hand. And also, carbs are the answer to all questions. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: That's our show for this week.